You are listening to The Ingenious Podcast, where God's Word is shared to build undisputed champions and mighty redeemers. This message is brought to you by The Ingenious Network. Enjoy the message. Father, today as we focus on the motivation for our journey upwards, my prayer is that God open our eyes to see things we've never seen before. Cause us to be stirred up today to truly journey upwards because there are tremendous blessings in our, in our resolve to journey upwards. And we know that as we go on this journey, you'll be with us and you will lead us all the way through. In the name of Jesus, the Son of God, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. So, once again, welcome. This is our journey upwards. And today we are looking at the motivation for the journey upwards. The motivation for the journey upwards. For the past few weeks, we've been talking about the journey upwards. We first started with dealing with the discontentment. And under discontentment, we looked at the Jesus standard of living. And the other one we looked at was the the letting go of the weight that pulls us down. But in this third session, we are going to look at the motivation for the journey upwards, the motivation. And so... um, Today, I need somebody to be really be up in terms of the posting of scriptures. So I need somebody to um, pick up that responsibility. There will be a lot of writing, but please bear with me. It's, it's all for our good, and it's going to be very, very enjoyable. So the Lord bless you for joining. Um, I know that today we are going to have a blast um let your comments be active and we 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 never know what the holy spirit might do so let's start our journey upwards what is the motivation for our journey upwards now we've come to the place where we realize that there is the jesus standard of living And according to the Jesus standard of living, I mean, it is a glorious life. In fact, in John's Gospel, chapter 10, Jesus says that I have come that you will have the abounding life. So the Jesus standard of living is according to the abounding life expectation, where everything concerning our life reflects the glory and the majesty of the God that we worship now when we look at the reality as we found in the discontentment that is usually not the case however there there is a way to get to that level and that way is the motivation that we are looking at so i want to make a couple of statements so that we 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 get the the idea of what the motivation, why we should look for the motivation, right? 
first of all we have to understand that the, the christian journey your commitment to christ is actually a long journey the average person on this platform is 10 years old that person committing his life to christ has an expectation of the next 90 years at least all of us here we wish that we will clock a century before we die somebody says a century is too much but truly it is not to live a hundred years should be our expectation now, i'm not talking about a hundred years spent in the bed i'm talking about healthy hundred years so it means that if you are 20 if you are 30 if you are heading towards your 40 for the next 60 to 70 years you must find a reason to live for jesus so the journey is long now it is also a journey on a particular path the path in christ is unlike any other path in any other religion in fact in matthew's gospel chapter number seven when we read the verses 13 and 14 jesus describes this path that we are treading on as one a narrow road a hard road and he says that there are only a few people that can find it in fact his exact word is that the gate when we read matthew's gospel chapter 7 verse 14 jesus actually says that the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life to the abounding life the gate is narrow and the way is hard and those who find it he says they are few only few people find it so you have to understand that you claiming that you are a christian is not an easy statement because you have chosen to go through a small gate and a narrow road to find this abounding life so you need to find a motivation to stay because when we read the verse 13 it tells us that broad is the way that leads to death there is an easy way and it says that it is huge it is wide everybody can go on that path but what you have chosen is the uncommon way the uncommon life that is what holy is holy living is all about and that is what you and i have chosen the hard way the hard way this hard way requires that from the start point where we gave our life to jesus christ till the time that he calls us to be with him that is till the time we die if he hasn't come or to the day he comes we are supposed to go on a, a perfecting journey now remember that the last time we were looking at ephesians chapter 4 and in ephesians chapter 4 it talks in the verse 13 it talks about coming to the fullness of christ and and so you have to understand that in giving our lives to christ what has happened is that we are going to go through a process of reformation and transformation reformation and transformation 
for the next 60 to 70 years of our lives. The, the last time we talked about how God will wound us, how God will, 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 will cause us to do things we don't like. A perfect example now is Dr. Menz. Dr. Menz is now in a village and the environment is a strange environment. The water they are drinking is strange, but she has to get used to it because she's going to serve this community, provide health services for them, right? So you've been taken out of your comfort zone and you've been brought into a different zone. And for us, it is more of God introducing us to the supernatural realm and to the supernatural way of life. To be able to live that which is declared in the spirit, in the flesh. To manifest the life allotted for us in the spirit, in the flesh. So it's going to take reformation. So in Romans chapter 12, we are told that we should renew our mind. We are told that we should renew the spirit of our, of our minds. And so it is going to be a process of reformation, learning and giving up things and taking up things right and that is what we talked about when we dealt with dealing with the weight that weighs us down or pulls us down and the sin that so easily beset us reformation and transformation then as i said all this is supposed to culminate into the building of the perfect christian so at the end of your 60 years, at the end of your 70 years in Christ, what you and I are supposed to be is the perfect Christian. And this is why we need to be motivated. The road is hard. So how do we continue to press for the life upward? The Apostle Paul says it this way. Pressed toward the price of the high calling. The price of the high calling of God. And so th that, that's what that's what we are supposed to be doing. How are we supposed to do that? That is in Philippians chapter 3. He says that Philippians 3, when we read verses um, verse 14. Uh, verses 13 to 15 this is what it says that verse let, 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 i don't want i don't want to miss miss anything so let let me just be open my bible and see what i can read it says that i count myself not to have apprehended but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth onto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. So this is supposed to be our mindset, right? To press on. So what is the motivation? Now the motivation is reward. I, I want you to type reward. 
what is supposed to keep us motivated for the next 60 to 70 or 80 years of our lives as we live on the earth for Christ is because we are expecting to receive rewards. Now, in dealing with the subject of reward, now today I'm going to lay a lot of background. That's why I said that reading the scripture is going to be crucial in this aspect. Right. Reward is our motivation, but somebody might ask, but I thought that Christianity is not based on rewards. Now, when I talk about reward, a reward is a gift offered to someone in thankfulness or gratitude of their action. So a reward is a gift offered to someone in thankfulness, in appreciation of an action of a deed that was done the concept of reward is this concept that speaks of meritocracy it's a concept of works it means that we work for reward we work for reward but the argument is that the bible says that the gift of god for us is not received by works it's not received by works now where do we find this now we see the whole book of romans particularly dedicated to this idea of works versus grace works versus grace now ephesians chapter 2 when we read verse 5 Ephesians chapter 2, when we read verse 5. Raymond, you have to be quick for me so that we can follow. Please, if you are listening, I will encourage you to write uh, the scriptures and also go through it when you have time. He said that he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace that we have been saved. Post the verse 8. It is by grace that we have been saved. It is by grace that we have been saved. Now the verse 8 says that, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Now let let us also read Romans chapter 3 verses 23 to 24. Romans chapter 3 verses 23 to 24. In Romans chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is emphasizing on this idea of works versus grace. What saves us? Is it our works? He says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So our justification is by grace. So when we are talking about the idea or the concept of reward, uh, other scriptures that we can read include um, Galatians chapter 2 verses 16 to 20. Um, from Galatians chapter 2, 16 to 20, we can also read Romans chapter 5 verses 
verse 15 and romans chapter 11 verse 6 it all tells us that it is by grace that we are saved so what why, why am i trying to say this because a lot of people are living in our time thinking in many religions that is actually what is propounded that if you let your good works outweigh your bad works you will be saved and you will be rewarded but in the kingdom of god it is not so what grace does is that grace gets you through the door now this is foundation and it is very important that we understand this so i am saying that works cannot save you if you want to receive salvation if you want to be redeemed by god your good deeds will not save you it is faith in jesus christ it is belief in the finished works of christ that is what will save you so what grace does is that grace gets us through the door grace qualifies us to become citizens of the kingdom in in john's gospel chapter 10 if we take our time and read the scripture you realize that jesus says that he is the gate jesus describes himself as the gate through which the sheep enter he says that more assuredly i say unto you would he who does not enter by the, the sheepfold by the door but climbs up the other way is a thief that is the verse one but he says that but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice now when we move on to verse number nine jesus says that i am the door if anyone enters by me he will be saved and will go in and out to find pasture so jesus is the door and the only way to enter into this narrow road to enter through the narrow gate is by faith it is by you cannot and that is what the entire book of romans is dedicated to prove the law cannot save you keeping 300 and something laws cannot save you it is impossible the bible says that the law was given to reveal sin you will be caught up in something and according to law if you are disqualified in one you are disqualified in all so what does work does there is a place for works in the kingdom and the place of works is unto rewards when you have now become a citizen of the kingdom you have been brought into a place of responsibility called works Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 is one of my favorite and I quote it most time. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And when you continue to read, he says that, that we, 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 he has created a path of good works. To do good works. 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance to do. So it means that the moment you become a citizen of heaven, the expectation of God from you is to get yourself into the lifestyle that is described as good works by God. Please, am I making sense? And so, if that is the case, that it means that what God is telling us to do is to bring ourselves to the place where we are so full of good works. And you see, our good works is for a reason. It's so that we can receive rewards. Now, when we, when we are this very topic that we are dealing with is called the doctrine of rewards. The doctrine of rewards. Before something can be established as a doctrine, it has the, the idea or the principles or the concept that it communicates from the Old Testament and the New Testament must be consistent. It must and ought to be consistent. And so this is what Jesus says. Now we are going to deal with it. It's going to take us a long time. It's going to take us this week and next week to finish this one up. So take your time and bear with me because it is important. Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22 verses 12 and 13. Now the apostle John sees the entire revelation of Jesus Christ. And this is what Jesus says, that I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I will give to everyone according to I am the Alpha and the Omega. He is communicating that is good. Your assessment is going to start from the time that you entered to the time that you are leaving. It's going to be very important for you. It's going to be very important for you and I. It's going to be very important for you and I to know that Jesus is going to come with an expectation to give rewards. This is what in, in, in the Bible is called the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I don't want you to get scared when you are hearing this word, the judgment seat of Christ. Remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 1. The psalmist said that the righteous will not stand in the judgment of the wicked. They will not. They will not. Neither would the wicked stand in the judgment of the righteous. So the judgment of the wicked is separate from the judgment of the righteous. The judgment of the righteous is a judgment unto rewards. Christ is going to reward us according to how we have lived. So I, I, we need to get that background. Now, it is important. So I, I'm going to first start with the Old Testament 
to uh, to try and help us to get a picture of God's expectation for us. Now remember, the Old Testament is the shadow of the wheel. So in the Old Testament, what we are going to find a lot is God telling Israel or God telling his chosen people that if you worship me and you obey me, I will reward you with particular earthly blessings. Particular earthly blessings. Okay. Before I, I come to that, let, let me let me go on further to make this point clear. Now, Jesus is a gate, and what Jesus has received by paying the price for redemption is a kingdom. So I, I want you to, I'm trying to establish why reward is important or why we will need rewards and why we should be working or uh, 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 why we should anticipate receiving rewards in the kingdom and work towards receiving our rewards in the kingdom. What Jesus has received is a kingdom. Now, the kingdom that Jesus has received is a unique kingdom. Now, when we talk about a kingdom, uh, we, England is the, the, the very basic and the very typical one that comes into our mind. The estate of the queen, the, now the estate of the king. We, we think about the Ashanti kingdom. The Ashanti kingdom. But you see, the Ashanti kingdom is, um, is, 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 it's minuscule. It's, 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 it's a drop in the ocean compared to the kingdom that Christ has received. So what kingdom has Christ received? To understand what Christ has received, we have to go to Daniel chapter 2. We are going to read verses 33 and 34. Then we are going to read verses 43 to 45. In Daniel chapter 2, the Bible says that the king Nebuchadnezzar sees a vision. And in this vision, he sees uh, a vision of uh, a statue with, with different minerals as its arrangement. A gold head, silver body, bronze things. He, he's done all those things. Then there is an observation. And it's the observation that I want us to pick it up from. The observation is in verses 33 and 34. And so the king is looking at the dream and he realized that a stone comes to knock the, the, the statue off its feet. He says that his legs were of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. And as you looked, uh, let me read from the ESV. The ESV says that, verse 34. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron of clay, and it broke them into pieces. Now we go to verses 43 to 45 for the interpretation. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage. 
but they will not hold together just as iron does not mix with clay verse 44 and in the days of those kings the god of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed so i want you to understand the kingdom shall never be destroyed nor will it be left to another people and it says that and the kingdom will never be destroyed the kingdom will never be left to another people and it shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end and it shall stand forever as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand and that it broke in pieces the iron the bronze and silver the great god has made known to the king what shall be after this the dream is certain the interpretation is sure the dream is certain the interpretation is sure so now let's go to daniel chapter 7 verses uh verse 13. daniel chapter 7 verse 13. daniel 7 13 says that i saw in the nine visions and behold with the clouds of heaven there came one like the son of man and he came to the ancient of these and he was presented to him verse 14 says that and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom verse 14 and a kingdom and a kingdom that all peoples nations and languages should serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed now i want you to see what the uh, the, the the man of god is seeing the kingdom will be a kingdom that can that we are talking about the population content it has all manner of peoples in it short long white brown chinese yellow whatever race you can think of it's there then he says that in this kingdom there are nations and there are men of every language so this is how great the kingdom is so you have to understand that the vastness of the now i am saying this for a reason you see when we read verse 13 it says that in my vision i saw one like the son of man the jesus that we know is not a spirit the jesus that we know he is fully man and fully god so in this kingdom one of the characteristics we will see about the king that is ruling this kingdom is that he is a man and as a man one of the traits of man is that you cannot be everywhere present now somebody is saying that but jesus is everywhere present yes it's true but he's he it is not that jesus that we know it is the father the jesus that you and you and i know he can appear and disappear in places he wishes to appear in but he is man so the kingdom has been given to what we call the son of man 
it is the same when we read the book of revelation you see that the apostle john refers to him as the son of man who is sitting on the sapphire throne when we look at the book of ezekiel he says that when he's chapter one he's talking about one and, and on the uh, above the firmament where uh, the firmament where the cherubs had stretched their wings he saw the likeness of a throne that looked like sapphire and seated on a throne one like the son of man this son of man he is man so he is not a spirit he is not like the Holy Spirit that is everywhere present. He is in one location at a time. And he has received a kingdom. This kingdom, it is not a spiritual kingdom. It is a physical kingdom. And because it is a physical kingdom, it is going to contain all manner of people, including nations and so when jesus came to the earth he began to speak parables unto us in relation to this ideology and this is what he tried to establish and he said this concerning the parables he gave to the the parable concerning the parable of the talent and the parable concerning the minus now, now in matthew's gospel chapter 25 verses 14 to 30 he tells us about the parable of the talent we all know the story so i'm not going to read it and i'm just going to mention it he says that three people receive a talent from a man going on a journey so he calls his servant and he entrusts them with property one is giving five one is giving two one is giving one now you see one of the things that most of us don't understand is this when you talk about talent right <laughs> the word talent there everybody that is reading this scripture in the days of jesus understands that no human being could possess five talents what do i mean because to have a talent is to have something like in our days a trillion dollars in your hands so for somebody to be given five trillion <laughs> it's something unimaginable so if jesus is telling us that there was he's telling this parable to to paint us a picture concerning the kingdom and the vastness of the resources of the kingdom Imagine that they give you even a billion dollars and trust it to your care. What would you do with it? And he said that he is giving to each one according to his ability. So they work with it. Then after that, you realize that um, some people squandered their own. Some people worked with their own. And we, we get a feedback. We will come to the the content of the story later but i'm just trying to paint the picture so then in in luke's gospel chapter 19 that is where we have the the talent of the miners some will say minus i like to say minus in luke's gospel chapter 19 when we start reading from verse 11 
He says that they heard a parable when Jesus got close to Jerusalem. Now, it is very important that he says that he tells this parable particularly because he gets close to Jerusalem and, and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. Why Jerusalem? Because remember, Jerusalem in the days of the kingdom will be the headquarters or will be the capital city of the kingdom. Christ will reign from Zion in Jerusalem. That is what the, 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 the vision of Ezekiel tells us in the chapter 40s when he's describing the new temple and where it is built. So Jesus gets to Jerusalem and he says, that, let me tell you a story of the kingdom to come. And the people, the Bible says that people thought that the kingdom was going to appear just then. It was going to immediately show up. And he says that a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom. And then returned. So Jesus leaves the heavens, comes to the earth to pay the price so that what happened in Daniel chapter 7 could happen. Then he says, so you have to understand that everything that he's telling them, we think that they don't know, but they actually understand what Jesus is saying. Even though in their time it wasn't clear. And he says that, and he gave his servants 10 minus another, and he says that he gave them 10 minus, and he said, engage in business until I come, do business until I come. But he said that, but his citizens, remember, his citizens, so the words that he's using are peculiar. So his citizens hated him. His citizens hated him. So remember, according to Ephesians chapter 3, what we have become is citizens of heaven. And they said that we don't want this man to reign over us. He said that verse 15 said that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. So you have to understand that the, the idea of doing business is the idea of work, 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 work. And we find that, that there was also in this parable that one person who was wise enough to say that I, I, you, are, you, you want to take what is not yours. I didn't work with what you gave me. So in this parable, Jesus is telling us that he has received a kingdom. But the governance of the kingdom is just too wide so when we are when we begin to get into the rewards you are going to see why it is important for you and i to get our acts together so this is the perfect background for this perfect story of reward now this has to be said so that we begin to understand what it takes 
So in the Old Testament, I'm going. I'm not going to read these passages, right? You can write it and you can read it yourself later. Deuteronomy chapter six, Deuteronomy chapter seven, Deuteronomy chapter eleven, Deuteronomy chapter twenty-eight. Uh, especially in chapter twenty-eight, when you pay attention to verses one to fourteen, you are okay. That's where the blessings and the rest are cases. You will find out that God was telling Israel, his chosen people. Now remember, what Israel was to God in the Old Testament is what we have become in the New Testament. What The people of God. The people of God. That's what we have become. A chosen people. A chosen race. What has happened now is that the Gentiles have been brought into the fold of God. It's now, it doesn't now only concern Israel, but it concerns all the nations of the world. So in all these scriptures, one of the things you are going to find is that God is telling Israel that if you pay attention to a particular lifestyle I am recommending for you, I will reward you. But what we find is that Israel will not be able to keep it. Because that is the purpose of God giving them all these wonderful laws. He knows that they cannot keep it. He says that the law is given to reveal sin. Leviticus chapter 26 verses 1 to 13. But the ones I want you and I to read is Isaiah chapter 40 verse 10. Because those ones are short. The other ones are long. You are going to find all manner of things there. Some of them are going to be captured by Jesus Christ in the New Testament. And that's really where I really want to focus. But before I come to that one, I want to read what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 10. He said that, behold, okay, let me start from verse 9. He says that, go on, go on to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news lift it up fear not say to the cities of judah behold your god behold the lord god comes with might, and his arm rules for him behold his reward is with him and he and his recompense before him now let's also so his reward is with him his recompense is before him now if we also read um jeremiah 6 isaiah 62 verse 11 it's the same idea of god coming with reward he says that um i'm going to start reading from verse 10 he said that go through go through the gates prepare the way for the people build up build up the highway Clear it off stones, lift up a signal over the peoples. Now, when he says peoples, we realize that he's talking about other nations too, including Gentiles. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth, say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense is before him. So you realize that Isaiah is repeating what he said in chapter 40. Now, in Jeremiah chapter 31, 
I'm going to read a verse 16. Jeremiah 31 is particularly interested because Jeremiah 31 is where God talks about the new covenant. The new covenant. And before he talks about the new covenant in the uh, uh, verse 31 downwards, in the verse 16, he says this. Thus says the Lord, keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. For there is a reward for your work. There is a reward for your work. Uh, the, the King James says that for your work will be rewarded. So there is a reward for your work. There is a reward. You have to expect to receive something from God. Now, all these ideas in the Old Testament are given to tell us that God has an expectation of works for the citizen of the kingdom. There is an expectation of works. And as we read in Ephesians 2.10, it is an expectation for what is called good works. So, what are the good works? Jesus starts his ministry in Matthew's Gospel chapter 5 after he has called his disciples with this first message we all know the sermon on the mount this is the first time that jesus is preaching and what did he preach seeing the crowds on the mountain this is what he began to say and i'm going to read from so if you if you are writing notes i want you to write some areas to expect rewards some areas to expect rewards i'm just going to touch on them the next week uh, on thursday we are going to continue to expand it on uh, thursday we are going to continue to expand it so these are some areas to expect rewards and this is how jesus started his ministry by conscientizing us that there is an expectation for reward but how does he say it? He says it in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 12. He says that he says it this way: Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophet who were before you. Now he is talking about a reward for allowing yourself to be persecuted. I'm just going to mention it because if I begin to expand, we, we will not go. I'm just going to whet your appetite and next week you're going to open it up. So there is an expectation, there is a reward if you are persecuted for the sake of Christ. This same idea of persecu persecution is communicated in Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 22 to 23. There is also a reward for loving your enemies last time auntie wendy was asking how can we love our enemies even though there is actually a reward in this is jesus's first sermon matthew chapter 5 verse 46 he says that for if you love those who love you what reward do you have do not even the tax collectors do the same but if you greet only your brothers what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. 
right so there is a reward for loving your enemies he said that you have when you start from verse first he said that you have heard that it is said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy but i say to you that love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so there is a reward for what loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you <laughs> he continues the the preaching in chapter six that is matthew's gospel chapter six by drawing our attention that if we give to the needy there is a reward for us so there is a reward if we give to the needy he continues in chapter 6 verse 5 and tells us that there is a reward for praying there is a reward for praying he continues in verse 16 and tells us that there is a reward for fasting there is a reward for fasting <laughs> oh my god he continues in chapter 10 by telling us that there is a reward concerning how you receive the men and the women of god that he has sent you and when i say man of god i'm talking about those who are called into the office if you receive uh, a, a a prophet as a prophet he says that you receive the gift of the prophet and that is in matthew's gospel chapter 41 and 42 and it is not only that also there is a reward for receiving your fellow christian taking care of your fellow christian that idea is also communicated in mark's gospel chapter 9 verse 41 and matthew's gospel chapter 25 verse 40. there is a reward for lending to the poor there is a reward for lending to the poor proverbs chapter 19 verse 17 and that one god says that if you if you if you take care of the poor and you help the poor me i, I will owe you <laughs> imagine god owing you there is also a reward for performing your assignment or your duty that is your calling this one we see it in first corinthians chapter 3 verse 8 first corinthians chapter 3 verse 8 there is a reward for giving to god's servant when i say god's servant i mean those who are teaching you the gospel And it is not only that for for that area i really like it because you see the apostle paul frames it in such a way that he is telling the people that you are going to receive a reward for giving to the person who is teaching you spiritual things then he goes around and tells them that there is also going to be a reward for the preacher who is preaching but not extorting from the people <laughs> <laughs> i love that i really love that i really love that so but you see one of the things i don't really want to spend time there because i say if I, we, we might digress but there is a reward for giving to 
the servants of God who are teaching you God's way, then there's also a reward for those who are teaching you God's way from if they tell you the truth, if they preach the truth to you and not as taught from you, there is a reward. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 11 to 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 11 to 18. And we also see it in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 18. Then we can also get some part of it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. So if you give to God's servants, the test is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 11 to 18. Um, if they preach the gospel or the truth to you and not as taught from you, they also the, the test is also in there in 1 Corinthians 9, but you also see portions of it in 1 Timothy 5:18 and 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 9, reading downwards. There is also a reward if you don't digress from teaching the doctrine of Christ. You know, some people believe all things about Christianity, and it is it is a digression from the way of Christ. At some point, we were taught that it was only the Pope that could grant us access into paradise. And so if your dead relative died and <laughs> you want that person to be transported to heaven, the Pope, because of God's grace, has created a place called Pegatry. And, and if you give the Pope money, the Pope will say a special prayer and the angels will go into Pegatry and take your relative, whether they were wicked or not. If you're able to pay the amount the Pope wants, the Pope will transfer that person to heaven for you. <laughs> Abiding in the doctrine of Christ. We see that one in 2 John chapter 1, verses 7 to 10. Where you don't allow yourself to be deceived, where you don't preach anything that some people don't believe that Jesus died and rose again on the third day. Some people don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, He is fully God, He is fully man. All these things they are perversions of truth. So if you stick to the truth and believe in the truth, there is a reward for you. There, there is a special reward in heaven if you are called to be a prophet or a believer there is a special reward for you if you are able to dispense your duties perfectly as the lord commanded you and that we find in revelation chapter 11 verses 17 to 18. there is a special reward so me that i am called to be a pastor there's a special reward for me you that is called to be a christian if you dispense your duty, there is, if you are called to be a prophet, there is a special reward for you. That is, if you don't do some way, some way, some way. We see it in Revelation chapter 11, verses 17 to 18. If you have boldness in God, confidence in God, confidence in the power of God, there is a reward for you. This confidence is supposed to cause you to endure and suffer long and bear with the Lord, go through trials and temptation. There is a reward for you. If you have, there are so many of us, we don't have confidence in the Lord. Some people think that their situation is beyond God's power. 
their situation is beyond God's ability to redeem. I don't know. There are some people here who might think that uh, I am dealing with um, what do you call a barrenness, a joblessness. Uh, I am being oppressed by Satan, but this thing has been in my family for so long. You don't have confidence that the word of God, the name of Jesus, is able to set you free. But I'm here to tell you that if you have faith in his name, if you have boldness in his name, if you trust in the Lord, the Bible says that there is a reward for you. We find this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 to 35. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 25 to 35. Oh, the thing is long ago. I had Do you know that there is a reward if you choose Christ over your family, over your brother, over your sister, over your mother, over your family interest? If you choose Christ over them, according to Mark chapter 10, verse 30, there is a reward for you. Now, I am just giving this as a background. Thursday, we are going to continue. There is a reward unto crowns, and we are, we are, I will try and uh, present in such a way that all these things, it becomes clear. Now, there are also, we labor for crowns, but I'll talk about that, that one on Thursday. I'm, I'm trying to use this one to whet your appetite. So, I want you to ask yourself this evening. I've given you about 12, 13 things that the Lord will reward you if you do it in the sincerity of your heart from the perspective of God according to the prescription of God. Ask yourself, how many of these things are you doing? <laughs> now remember, some of the rewards, they are heavenly and that one we look forward to receiving it in that day. Some of them, they are earthly. So, all these things, how many of them, how many rewards have you received since you gave your life to Christ? Are you enjoying persecution? Are you enjoying being insulted for the name of Christ? Are you praying for your enemies? Uh, are you giving alms to the poor, the needy? Are you praying as you should? When I say praying, I don't mean praying for yourself. I mean praying for others, interceding for nations, interceding for those in authority, interceding for family members, interceding for cities. I mean, we are not talking about, there's a reward if you pray for yourself, but there's a greater reward if you pray for others. Your fasting, your fasting. Hey, you told God you fast to 12, but about 11 15 now, break here after all. Your fasting. How are you receiving God's servants? Are you receiving them as prophet? as pastors, as evangelists, as righteous men, there is a reward on how you receive it. 
um are you are you helping the poor when was the last time you helped the poor or maybe you yourself you are poor so you, you are expecting somebody to help you. there is a reward do you know your assignment yet do you know your assignment yet are you dispensing your assignment are you dispensing your assignment there is a reward for dispensing your assignment according to the heavenly prescription there is a reward if you've been a christian for five years you don't know what your assignment is stop praying about other things start concentrating on praying to know your assignment all these things that god has given you the resources the beauty the shape the, the your your eloquence why has he given you all these qualities find your assignment stop praying about breakthrough ask god what have you called me to do what is it that my lord requires of me find the assignment and dedicate yourself to the assignment there is a reward for that are you giving to god's servants pastors we like to talk about those things eh? but we forget that the bible says that don't extort from <laughs> don't extort from the members <laughs> uh, we we only we 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 annul our <laughs> we annul our our rewards our heavenly rewards by a start the, the way we my prayer is that if you are here and you are a pastor and you are listening or you are a leader of a group let it not be that any time that you call any of your members the first thing they say is that akwe your baby says <laughs> it, it, it is it is it is an indictment on on your character in heaven you are an extortionist change from your ways are you preaching the gospel do you know the gospel or you are preaching philosophies of men there is a reward for preaching christ paul said that i resolved to know nothing else save christ and him crucified that is what i dedicated my life to preach what have you dedicated your life to preach do you know the gospel what gospel are you preaching if you preach the right gospel there is a reward there is a reward for the saints of god the holy ones of god the hagios of god and the prophet who are able to use the gifts and the abilities that god gave them to serve the human race there is a gift for you in the earth and in the heavens there's a gift so if you are a leader of a group and nobody is giving you anything check how you are using your gift it probably means you are an extortionist confidence in the lord this is where i want to end tonight confidence in the lord i want to read hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 Wherever you are beginning to pray in the Holy Spirit. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And of all the more as you see the day drawing near. Verse 26. 
But if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outreached the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. God is saying that I will reward, I will repay. Now, whenever we are reading the words, trigger words like repay, recompense, to honor, reward, they are all trigger words that God is going to give you something according to your words. The one who said that I will repay, vengeance is mine. The Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since he knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Verse 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence that has great reward. Your faith has great reward. Your confidence in the name of Jesus has great reward. Your unwavering belief and trust in God has great reward. The Bible says that those who trust in the Lord, they are like Mount Zion. They will never be moved and they can never be put to shame. Your trust in his word. This Bible, the content of this word, to have the faith and the confidence that it has the ability to bring you to the telios man, the perfect man, a man without spot or wrinkle, a man that God is proud of, a woman that God is proud of, a man that the angels are proud of, a, a, a person that the entire heavenly host the heavenly councils are proud to salute confidence confidence in the holy spirit confidence in the ability of the holy spirit to save to deliver to bring you to the place of life to bring you to the place of of of, of abundance that bring you to the place of prosperity to bring you to the place of perfect health to bring you to the realm of perpetual breakthrough the confidence 
in the power of God to overcome the wicked one, to overcome his ways, to overcome his cohorts, to overcome his agents, to overcome his agencies. Confidence in the blood and the work of the blood to, to wipe away every sin, every, every blood, every guilt. Confidence in the work of the cross. Confidence in the work of the resurrection. Confidence in the gift of the spirit. Confidence in the power of God. If you and I this evening will have confidence in God, our confidence will be rewarded. Our faith will be rewarded. Our trust will be rewarded. God will not put, we, we say it all the time, God no go shame us. But do you trust it? Do you believe it? Do you can you can you die holding on to that truth? Oh, I am reminded of the three Hebrew boys that say that even if our God does not save us, let it be known to you, O King, that we will not pass. We have confidence that He is the only God, the only true God, the only Savior, the only deliverer, the only redeemer, the only healer. Oh, the only king who deserves our worship. Confidence. 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 My confidence will be rewarded. Your confidence will be rewarded. I am not here to introduce my ideas. My ideas are bogus. I am not here to introduce my philosophies. My philosophies will not qualify you to bring you to the realm of the abounding life. My, 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 my ideologies and my principles, they are all earthly. Everything that is connected to Adam will die. But this confidence in the second Adam, who is a life-giving spirit. If I, if I will believe in the second Adam and what he came to accomplish, I will be rewarded for my belief in him this evening. I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know what you are dealing with, but I am here to tell you that there is a reward with your name on it. There is a reward that our God and our King and our Lord and Savior Jesus, by His Spirit, is willing to bequeath to you. He's willing to prove to you. He's willing to relinquish to you. He's, he's willing to deliver to you. If only you will believe. He said to his disciples after he was on his way once again to Jerusalem, the Bible says that he approached the fig tree and it was not bearing fruit and he cast it to the root. And the next day when they came and they passed by, they saw that it had died. It had withered to its root. And when they saw it, they said that the tree that you spoke to has died. And he said that if only you will believe. If only you will believe. Now remember, we have talked about what we are calling this belief. Diacrena. If, if you believe it is not different from you will say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and he shall believe. To him that believes, all things are possible. If you have confidence in God, if you have confidence in God, you will, your confidence will be rewarded. This evening, I want you to spend the next five minutes just begin to pray in the spirit. God bless you for listening. Maranatha, the Lord comes.